Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 28th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. I hope you're all having a great week. Things are okay over here. There's not really much in terms of podcast news. And there's a lot to talk about. I watched a lot of stuff this week, and there's a little bit of news. Yeah, I think that's everything I have to say about that. I will be guesting on a podcast later this week, if all turns out okay. So I will share it over on the Twitter page. And you can also just wait to hear about it next week, I suppose. But yeah, I'm very excited, always excited to also be a guest on other podcasts. But for now, I think that is everything. No new reviews this week to share. Again, if you review the podcast, please let me know and I will find the review and read it on the air. (laughs) But for now, let's go into what I've been watching. So this week was kind of a big week in that I finished two different series. So I finished my rewatch of Go Princess Precure. Uh, I'm also watching a few other seasons, but for now, yes, I finished this one and I had watched it in full back in its original airing time when it was on every week. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, It's really good. So that was fun. I also finished watching Ojamajo Doremi for the first time. And uh, this was very, very, it's very touching to watch. Anyway, as my new schedule has given me a little bit more time to do more streaming of TV shows, I am trying to kind of reorganize what I'm watching to try to get in some more of the shorter form series, shows that have like 12, 13 episodes, as compared to these bigger shows that have like 50 something episodes. But yes, so Ojamajo Doremi is really, really fun, and I am going to continue to watch uh, into the next season starting next week. I'm going to rent, I think it's the next one will be Ojamajo Doremi Sharp. Yes, so I will be watching that. uh, I will rent the first volume next week, so I will get started on that at that time, and I will definitely let you guys know what I think as I continue. I'll probably just keep it to one volume a week for now, uh, just so that I also have time to watch other series, like I said, and also just because I'm not in a rush and it's a very long meta series. There are many seasons, and uh, hopefully if I can also get my hands on some books in the future, I will also do that. Um, Probably for this one, I'm not going to read the comics so much because Ojemajo Doremi is a series that started in animation first and then had a comic adaptation, so I'm not particularly interested in that so much as opposed to you know the reverse where it's a comic that is adapted into an animated series yeah so those are the series i have finished watching and um, i'm also chugging my way along through some other ones i'm also in my watch of Fudariwa precure max heart which i i suppose i'm mostly continuing to watch right now because of the precure podcast engage podcast which we'll talk about a little more in a minute but yes yeah, so i I uh, have watched now the first three volumes of that series. I've taken to renting those as well. 
And I've also watched the first four volumes of Yes, Precure 5. I say volumes, but um, <laughs> my video store doesn't have volume four. But luckily, in Japan, Amazon Prime does have the first nine seasons of Precure available to stream anytime. So I watched the last three episodes. The episodes that are available in volume four, I watched over there. And I am still in the middle of Hug Precure. I believe as my schedule allows it, I'll probably be finished with that in a few weeks, but we shall see. Again, so yes, Precure 5, I did watch, not entirely, but I watched most of it, I would say, back in the day when it was first airing, when I was in high school. And Hug Pre and Max Hart, this is both uh, my first time watching. Let's see, oh, two more things. Uh, I am still watching Mermaid Melody, Peachy Peachy Pitch. Having some interesting feelings about it, rewatching it this time around, but still just kind of chugging along, you know, just watching. I think it's two volumes a week, so yes, I'm up to volume six. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it's cheesy. I think that if I were to have watched it for the first time at this age, I wouldn't like it as much, but it is still something that's very dear to me because it is a series I watched when I was younger. Yes. And finally, I started my rewatch of Princess Tutu. So for anyone who doesn't know Princess Tutu, that is a mid-2000s series. Um, going to be kind of relevant in that it shares creators with the topic of today's episode. And uh, it's a little bit of unique series, to be sure. But still a magical girl series. And I remember the first time I watched the series was actually... I was with Bianca, my best friend, and we were in a convention and we were kind of just walking around wandering the halls and we saw a room where they were playing some random animation. And so we went in and they were playing Princess Tutu and it was like near the beginning as well from what I can see because all the episodes that I've watched so far, I'm sure I have watched before. I never finished this series, so I am looking forward to actually finishing the series. And again, this is another one that I'm watching streaming. So that's pretty cool. Yes, I think that's everything for what I've been watching. So let's move on to the news. Okay, so first bit of news is there's a new series, Untitled Magical Girl, or Anmaji for short. We don't really know about what this is. We don't even know if it's going to be an animated series or a comic or a game. Based on what information we have so far, I do believe it might be some sort of smartphone game, but we have seen a small promotion video and we have seen the civilian and magical forms of, I believe it's 10 magical girls, and they are in three teams, and each team is influenced by a different decade of magical girls. So the first team is very inspired by 80s magical girls, you definitely see the magical idol Studio Piero influence in their designs. Then the second group is inspired by the 90s magical girls. And then finally, the last group is inspired by the 2000s magical girls. So we don't know if this means there's going to be like another decade's worth, because of course now the 2010s are finished. Who knows what the 2020s will give us in terms of magical girls, but there's that. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's really exciting to see. But honestly, there's no information except that some of the staff 
in the project are also staff members of Love Live, which is a very huge school idol franchise that is not Magical Girls, but many Magical Girl fans do enjoy it. So yeah, I'm very excited to see what this brings. I also wanted to shout out Pixie Schmixy for bringing this news to me over on the Discord server because I had not heard it before. So yeah. Okay, finally, in terms of Powerpuff news, so again, Powerpuff is the live-action pilot that is currently being shot uh, for the CW. We don't know a whole lot yet, though as of today, as I record this, we have gotten our first look at the three girls. They're wearing civilian clothes, but are also themed in terms of their colors, so it's still not a lot of information. We did get one other piece of information, which is another cast announcement. Robin Lively is the actress who has been cast to portray Ms. Bellum. So anyone who knows Powerpuff Girls will know that Ms. Bellum is a character who is a bit of a secretary and works for Mayor Mayor. And she is also famously never shown facially speaking. So even in the Powerpuff Girls Z uh, adaptation of Powerpuff Girls, you never see Ms. Vellum's face. Another thing that's interesting about Robin Lively is that she is in the Canadian fantasy comedy film Teen Witch, which I do think is kind of relevant to this genre. So there's that connection, which is very interesting. To be honest, I'm not particularly familiar with her work myself, just continuing to look forward to this adaptation to see what it's going to be. And again, this is a pilot. We don't know if it's going to be continued on into full production. But based on the incredible amount of chatting about it, I do think that it might. It just might. So I believe that is all for news. So it's time to get to today's topic. Okay, so yes, today's topic is very exciting as it is one I have been very interested in talking about for a while. And the next two weeks are kind of an interesting collaborative effort as well, but we'll get to that in a minute. So today's topic is the 1997 Magic Users Club. So for anyone who's unfamiliar or who hasn't listened to the first episode of the podcast talking about the history of Magical Girls, I did mention it at that time as well. This is a series in which a group of kids are running a club at their high school to learn to use magic. And so this is a mixed group of magical boys and girls. And it's also famously a work of Junichi Sato's and Ikuko Ito did the character designs. So these are two big names in the world of magical girls. Um, We've talked about Sato in reference to pre-tier in a previous episode. And as I mentioned before, both of these folks were involved in Princess Tutu, which you can kind of see even visually Ikuko Ito's style. When you look at the art for both series, you can see they're very similar. But yes, Magic Users Club is a very unique series. And for anyone who is wondering right away, there are technically two seasons of Magic Users Club or Mahotsukaitai. The first series is a series of OVAs. I believe it's six episodes. And then the second series is a full TV series that has 12 episodes. So we do think of them as usually OVAs versus TV series, but you can also think of them as the first and second season, respectively. 
For today's topic, we are going to be talking about the TV series in particular, though we might mention some aspects of the OVAs from time to time as we watched both. This series was so fun to watch that I actually went ahead and bought the series. I was able to find used copies of all the DVDs for both seasons. It was a little bit he of a hefty price, but as you will hear, I have a good reason for this because I do want to be able to watch a series like this anytime. Also, a small note, I had said in the recording that there were two novels for the series, but this is false. There are actually four novels for Mahotskaitai, but the third and fourth novel are a little bit more difficult to get your hands on these days. I, again, was able to get the first two. I bought them last month, I believe. I am looking forward to reading those in the future. I didn't mention it, by the way, but I am still reading the Fdariwa Precure novel. I've been reading like a little bit every other day, basically, because I'm also reading another book at the same time, so I want to give space for both. I will definitely keep you all up to date when I actually finish that book, but um, I'm chugging along. I'm about a third of the way through now, and uh, it's really fun to see. I really do wish there was an official translation of the novels. I think that would be really great for a lot of fans to enjoy. Just a little bit more content, I guess. But yes, so uh, with that, just another thing to mention. Uh, another thing about the series, I do touch upon it a tiny bit in the actual chat, but I did want to mention in full just for anyone who might be a little concerned. So let's see, how do we phrase this? There are a lot of things that happen when different media gets influenced by other cultures' media. And I would say that in general, especially for the magical girl genre, we see a lot of influence in this Japanese animation that comes from Western animation, especially, particularly American animation. While I do think a lot of research was put into creating the concept for the magic in the series, I do feel the need to mention that I don't know where they got their research. I don't know the research process that happened at that time, but what I do know is that depending on how they were able to do their research, some parts of the imagery could be seen as questionable at least. So I just wanted to point that out. So uh, I am not Jewish, and as far as I know, my guest is not either, but I actually don't know. I just wanted to point it out because there is a lot of Jewish imagery used in the magic of this series, and I included in the show notes some articles for you to read up on as well. I read them shortly before doing this recording, and um, I do think they're interesting. It is something I would probably want to talk to more Jewish magical girl fans about, but I did feel the need to mention it because I would say generally, I mean, there are a lot of things that are not as well known in Japan within the general public. And I had an incident, I want to say it was about a year or two ago, where I was discussing different religious symbols with some students, and I had drawn a Star of David, a six-pointed star, and one of the students incorrectly associated that symbol with Satanism. And I was very shocked. And then I remembered that you know, a lot of symbols get kind of mixed up, especially in things like Gothic Lolita and looking at witchcraft and so on in Japanese media. So I just wanted to make that clear. And uh, yeah, so the two articles I have, one is about witchcraft within Judaism, and that is from a Jewish website, I believe. 
then uh, the other one is about anti-Semitism within witchcraft uh, imagery, which comes from a more Christian lens. So again, I don't know what kind of research they had done originally for this particular series, so I don't want to accuse anyone of anything in particular, but I do think that it's very important to keep these things in mind when we are crafting our magic, if that makes sense. It's certainly not the only culture that gets mistreated in this way, and um, this kind of topic will definitely come up again in future episodes. I am 100% positive on that. But yes, so I do think that part is um, relevant to mention. So with that, about our guest for today. So as I have mentioned on a few different episodes, I was a guest, uh, I believe twice now, on Precure Podcast Engage, which I mentioned earlier. So this is a podcast hosted by Cassidy and Charlie. They're both really great. They're also fiancés now, which is adorable. And um, I decided to have them both on the podcast, but they are going to be one by one. So today's episode is Cassidy's episode. And next week, you will hear from Charlie. So yes, Cassidy is, she's a very kind of newbie fan of Magical Girls, which we'll get into as well. And I found it to be very curious because she has her own ideas of what makes Magical Girl series. And, you know, this is one of those things that comes up a lot, not just on the podcast, but within Magical Girl fandom, I believe. I think that what we are started off with also really affects how we see the genre. And then once you look in the past and it's like, oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff that's very different from what I'm used to. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I do think that it's a very interesting chat, very interesting series. I mean, I spent a lot of money just to watch it again, so I do believe that many of you will enjoy it. <laughs> I think that's all I have to say about this. So I hope you enjoyed this chat with Cassidy from Precure Podcast Engage. I wanna do more. Do more. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Mahotsukaitai, or Magic Users Club, and I'm very excited for our guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are she and they. I do a lot of podcasts. I guess the one that's probably the most important to this one is that I podcast about Pretty Cure. <laughs> yes, yes, Pretty Cure Podcast Engage. It's very fun. I've been a guest on it tw twice now. What is the main focus of Precure Podcast Engage? I mean, mostly we just try to watch uh, and talk about the entire Pretty Cure franchise, but we're going like episode by episode, and I don't know anything about Pretty Cure aside from what I have seen. Um, and then like the little bits of stuff I get spoiled on when I have to look up the answer to a question. And also we talk about Ben 10, but that's <laughs> only like adjacently relevant. Sure, sure. I think that we can say that, yeah, Ben 10 is kind of an adjacent Magical Boy series. Not sure if it's going to be one that we talk about on the podcast anytime soon, but still, it's it's interesting topic. <laughs> Great. So let's get started. We're going to be talking about Magic Users Club today. But before we start that, I want to hear more from you, Cassidy. So what is your history with the Magical Girl genre? It's not like a lot. I didn't grow up watching any of these shows like 
or at least not in any of the major ones or anything. Like I didn't watch a Sailor Moon on purpose until like high school. And even then I only watched like five episodes. I still haven't watched much more than that. I watch pretty here now. I, I don't do much in the magical girl space. Like it's immediately recognizable as magical girl. Charlie's had me start watching Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. So what made you decide to check out Sailor Moon when you were in high school? Uh, I heard someone talking about uh, some gender stuff that happens at the very end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So you did you watch like Sailor Stars? Uh, no, I started from the beginning because I am a person who always has to start from the beginning and have maximum context. Okay. Which is why there's some things I just cannot start. I see. Well, sounds like we need to get you started on a Sailor Moon podcast in the future to watch the whole series. <laughs> Listen, we got to watch every season of Pretty Cure first, and we are not <laughs> going faster than the show comes out, so I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least Sailor Moon is more finite than uh, Precure. But, well, we definitely talked a lot about the gender stuff in our episode on the podcast about it, but... It's definitely interesting to look at. I think that it can be enjoyed from that season, but yeah, I can understand. I feel very similarly about wanting to complete things and starting from the beginning. I mean, I, at this point, I do have a lot of context for the show because I do listen to a Sailor Moon podcast that at this point is only like four episodes away from covering all of it. Oh, okay. That's great. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't have any visual context for most of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. Do you think you would want to watch it in the future? Maybe, like, I would just watch Crystal or something. Hmm. I don't, I'm not sure if I would go and watch the 90s anime. That's fair. Yeah, it is a lot as well, so. <laughs> yeah. Now that you are starting to watch Precure, are you becoming more interested in Magical Girls as a genre? I... I'm interested in the genre as using it to define other things hmm. because that's like a funny joke that I can do. <laughs> and it is a funny joke that we have done repeatedly on Precure Podcast Engage, mm -hmm. um, such as with the whole Ben 10 thing. And then there's an episode where uh, we had someone on to argue with me about whether or not Yu-Gi-Oh counts. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah that was a very fun episode very entertaining even if you don't want listen to the rest of the podcast that, that podcast episode is definitely worth yeah that'll to. also uh give you a good sense of what i consider to be aspects of a magical girl show yeah. and why i don't think magic users club is one yes yes so that's very interesting as well i do think this comes and this is something that i think is very common in our generation because when it comes to the history of Magical Girls, there is a lot from before Sailor Moon, but the boom of Sailor Moon around the whole world definitely made this like a certain effect that I think especially in North America, because Europe had a lot of Magical Girls before Sailor Moon, but I think that yeah, North America was a little late to the punch. Um, I think that this also affected a whole generation of people's idea of what makes a magical girl series a magical girl series. But just so that we have this context, Cassidy, what is your definition of a magical girl? Oh, goodness. I don't even remember everything that I said that <laughs> would go with that. Um, I know like the big things are like everything I'm going to say here is flexible mm -hmm. because 
uh, even when we were deciding on things that did and didn't count, if it didn't meet all of the requirements, but only some, or if it just had like the heart that fit, mm -hmm. we would just sort of give it a pass. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like, you know, there's the obvious generic stuff of like, oh, okay, transformation sequence, sort of a monster of the week styling, a battle between light and dark, the power mm -hmm. of friendship, animal companions, stuff like that. I wouldn't say that they're all like modern things, but definitely more often than not, those are all aspects that are important in modern magical girls, to be sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the point where like, I know uh, you were talking about how like there were shows before that and like, their vibes were a little bit different, but like, as you were saying, it's sort of become the modern interpretation in a way mm -hmm. to the point where even the shows that are about deconstructing the genre focus on those aspects as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little complicated because there have been, yeah, again, like this is looking at stuff that's come out more recently. I would say that's very accurate. But even looking in the past at things, to start, a lot of very early Magical Girls are totally just for goofs all the time and are very, very inspired by you know, like early Disney style, like American or just Western cartoons and things like that. So they're just like really, really goofy shenanigans with someone who can just kind of like wave a magic wand or something. Just a little bit of magic, but with that small limitation can do a whole lot of stuff that's like absolutely absurd. And they're really funny. I actually do think that you would like a lot of the older magical girls, <laughs> but there are definitely generations to magical girls and for that reason, I think that it makes sense that it has all kind of developed one against the other. And well, this series definitely stands alone, as we'll get into in a minute. But this one also is taking a lot of aspects that I think are especially reminiscent of what the creators at that time in uh, 1995 would have thought as classic for them, because they probably grew up with the original Magical Girls or like at least the 70s, if not also the 60s. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, let's actually start talking about Magic Users Club. Again, so the Japanese title is uh, Mahotsukai Tai, which I guess literally just means I want to use magic, but Mahotsukai also means like a magic user. So that's where the name comes from. And yeah, it's a very interesting show. To start, it has five characters who are magic users. We're going to be talking about what is technically the second iteration of the series with the main TV series that is 13 episodes. Um, there is a technical first season, which are OVAs. I believe there are six of those. Those are also very interesting, but the plot is so different that it's really hard to talk about both in one episode of the podcast. So that is definitely something that I will revisit. The only thing that I would say is important to know when you're jumping into the second season, as it were, is that the first season involved fighting aliens, kind of. Honestly, I don't even think you need to know that before jumping in because they like briefly mention it. <laughs> yes, they do. And I remember like watching because I watched it out of order and I was like, mm -hmm, wait, same. there were aliens? <laughs> and then it's like very casually like, okay. And the something happened with the aliens and what was left of the aliens got turned into a tree. And now there's this just giant cherry tree in the middle of the city that's kind of in the way. So we're going to deal with that today. And that's like the first episode of the series. So it's like kind mm -hmm. of cleaning up that mess. Yeah, after spending six episodes in the OVA dealing with the one thing, mm -hmm. the first episode of the actual series is like, yeah, we're just going to deal with that immediately and then move on. 
Yeah. So for that reason, I feel like the whole general vibe of this season, as it were, is very, very different from the OVAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would describe it as being uh, similar to something like a, a Sabrina the Teenage Witch mm-hmm. or something like that. Like a yeah. very, like, very episodic, very... I mean, like, it gets a little less episodic towards the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's very much like, a, all right, we've got one problem for today, and we're going to solve the problem for today, and then that's it. Yeah, and for me, that is very, very classic A Magical Girl. Like you said, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is, in its own way, a predecessor, or coming from uh, Archie or whatever, that is also an early predecessor of Bewitched and so on, which is also an inspiration for Magical Girls. So it's definitely the same vibe right there. But yeah, the references to Magical Girls themselves, like not necessarily as a genre, but maybe in a more way that we might recognize it today, is seen only in one episode, which I found very interesting, which is actually the, the Culture Festival episode. It's very later on, which I believe is actually the only episode I'd ever seen before watching the show for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, what is it about this series that you enjoy? It's just like a, a fun, goofy time. And I, I love having a fun, goofy time. That's the one thing you've got to know about me. <laughs> That's definitely the vibe I get from you as well. Just uh, being a listener of your podcast and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the use of magic is also very interesting because it is definitely kind of like a, a witchy wizard type of vibe. I've definitely seen people think about this show in relation to things like like Harry Potter. But at the same time, I do think it's quite different. <laughs> Yeah. So these five high schoolers are just in a club at school like any other club would be, you know, so they usually meet like mostly every day to do magic. And yeah, like you said, they're just like dealing with kind of daily life problems, but they're all very distinct characters for sure. Mm -hmm. And our main character, Sai Sawanoguchi, is this girl who's, uh, she's a second year and she is very, very klutzy but she's very cute and she's trying her best you know the classic kind of character in that way mm-hmm. yeah she's just always kind of getting into shenanigans maybe just a little bit more than her associates but still this uh, season definitely is very very focused on her i mean the first season was as well she's definitely the main character but she's a little bit more active i would say in this one mm-hmm. than the ovas Especially because, like, just briefly going to mention that, like, throughout the OVA, she's still trying to, like, sort of making sure that she can do magic, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. she just can't, but in in the actual uh, series that we're discussing, she's Mm -hmm. pretty much past that and is just, well, sometimes I goof it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She is definitely, like, she's still learning a lot. Like, all these kids, even the leader of the group, Takeo Takakura, is still not like an expert by any means and he's just trying his best you know he's always working hard to study the books and like i guess transliterate i think it's hebrew i'm not even sure uh into japanese so that everyone can learn to use magic yeah like even him who's the most uh experienced of the group only knows the things from the book didn't didn't really have a, a more formal teaching Right. Still very impressive considering they're all teenagers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're all very interesting. Who would you say is your favorite character or characters? See, I do deeply enjoy all of them. They all have their very good moments. 
Okay, so why don't we just, I mean, there aren't that many characters, so we can go one by one. So why don't we start with Sai then? What do you like about Sai? She's just, you know, it's the things you were saying like that make her the sort of generic protagonist, that she's very sweet and tries her best. Oh, I should also say that I w- I've only really watched the dubs of these <laughs> episodes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just even the voice acting for the dub actress uses is just, it definitely fits the kind of character you know, it just, it's good. It makes it for a very uh, pleasant to watch protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she actually, um, so she was voiced by Misty Daniels in English, and she actually was nominated for an award for her voice work in this series, which I find very interesting. I haven't fully listened to the dub. I've only watched the the gag reel of the voice acting, which is pretty funny. So I do have a kind of a sense of how she sounds in the dub, but from my understanding, the dub work is very, very good in this one. So you can easily enjoy this show in English if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that they only had like 10 voice actors total across every character. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, so she is, she's a very interesting character. Um, apparently her design is also inspired by the character designer Ikiko Ito's own mother. But yeah, she, uh, she lives with her sister and it looks like her parents live in Hokkaido and uh, she does get to visit them for an episode in this season. Um, but generally it's just the two of them. And so she's already kind of independent in that way and trying her best and stuff. Yeah, and she loves to write and draw. So she's just all around very interesting. <laughs> and her best friend is Nanaka Nakatomi. So why don't we talk about her also? <laughs> uh, she's like, um, she's the kind that's like, really like, I'm only in this because my best friend is in this. Mm-hmm. And I would rather they didn't consort with these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's very interesting. And she's a uh, like, we kind of also get to see her family life as well, but she definitely prefers to not spend time with her family either. But she definitely deeply cares about Sai, and they have a very, very nice friendship, even when it goes um, awry at times. Mm. I mean, a lot of ways, she's a very normal teenage girl. She's dealing with normal teenage problems, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then the third girl of the group is Akane Aikawa, and she is a first year. I think she's a very interesting character because she seems to be doing a lot of different things that it's like she doesn't really have time sometimes to even be in the club, but she's clearly incredibly good at magic. Yeah, to the point where like she can fully cast any spell using like a makeshift wand that she's made out of a paper clip, a piece mm-hmm. of paper and a pencil. Yeah, yeah. But she's definitely very uh she's definitely very spoiled, but so she, she does have a little bit of an attitude problem, but she's very funny. And um, yeah, she's very, again, very skilled in magic, but also she's a, a model and she's always um, going on dates, like I think almost every episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, it's very interesting to see like her, her whole life seems so fabulous. Like she doesn't even need magic, but she just also happens to enjoy it as well. There's also like uh a way to view that extravagance of her life as sort of being her being rebellious towards her mother because her mother is also like an actress mm-hmm. uh, that comes up in an episode and she even just tries to skip out on that particular thing because yeah. her mother's involved yeah yeah she doesn't seem to 
really know what she wants to do yet, but um, she is not really for being an actress quite yet, but she's thinking about it, but she's still not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but she's definitely like a very popular model, at least. She, she's always busy working, which also kind of feels like an interesting thing that, you know, there are a lot of magical girls that have that kind of like entertainment job or things like that. Yeah. Okay, and then we have the two guys in the group. Do you want to talk about one, the particular one first, or? I mean, I I really, really, really like Atakeo a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's weird because he's definitely set up to be a character that I hate. Yeah, he's a very interesting character. Yeah, he has that sort of innate perviness that just sometimes happens in mm-hmm. shows, mm-hmm. Um, to the point where he's constantly having delusions. Uh, that yes. sort of devolve into that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but at the same time, he he often will just like try to shake himself out of it being like, no, this one, this isn't the time. And two, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, Takeo Takakura, he has, like, pervert is definitely in his like character bio, right? And again, like every, even in the opening, he's like doing perverted stuff that, and it's like it's so wild but yeah he's always like checking himself at the same time mm-hmm. it almost feels like he's having these thoughts because he's a teenage boy and like not even it's not even like a boy thing like there are lots of teenagers who are just like constantly accidentally thinking about all sorts of things like this and so it's just like his mind goes astray from like the smallest dimension of something that is like really ridiculous but yeah he definitely he knows it's wrong, so he never acts on these ideas or anything, but it's just, like, this weird weakness of his. And it's very, very fascinating as a character trait and, like, a whole the way that his character operates, I guess. I also, like, just really like his his, his dumb hair. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but this is definitely one of those scenes where if I watched this show as a teenager, I might have had a crush on him. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very interesting. Also, I I think one thing I really enjoyed, I think it's more in the OVAs than in the second season, but sometimes his entire face just turns into a sentence. Like whatever yes. he's thinking is just written on his face, literally. Well, that, that happens actually, I've noticed with most of the characters, uh, especially mm-hmm. even in the uh, even in the first season that comes up with some of the side characters that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, I mean, but he's like a primary character, so it happens to him a lot. And it's very interesting because he's kind of also a main character in that, like, you know, he definitely has this, like, uh, this romance going with um, Sae. And, like, it's a thing where they both clearly like each other, but they're not able to say the thing. You know, it's very cute. (laughs) Yeah, I also really like Takeo. And uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, he reminds me of my husband a lot, which is really, really funny to say because I also thought, similarly to you, when I started to watch this series, that like I'm not going to like this character. But in the end, I found him very, very adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have uh, one more character, um, Ayanojo Abratsubo. So he is the vice president of the Magic Club, and he is also very explicitly gay. Mm-hmm very explicitly yes (laughs) yeah so his characterization is also very interesting especially considering the time like there are definitely expectations for this kind of character 
And there are points where I think that they take it in a very joking sort of way because he clearly has like a big crush on Takeo, but he doesn't really have any interest in him. But yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no interest in him. But yeah, not no, that's very true. Little. That's true. They're they're close, right? And um, I remember even even the first oh yeah the first episode opens with like them having this back and forth that sounds extremely suggestive and then you yeah yeah they they really play it up in the dub anytime there's one of those scenes by the way oh my god i really need to listen to that it's also very much that way in japanese though yeah i think it's also like very easy to do in japanese just because of the way that like dirty talk works in japanese it's extremely like you never say things directly so uh, <laughs> yeah but it's it's very very funny and it's actually i remember that scene because you know, they're still having this kind of conversation. And I mean, in the end, you find out that like, that Abratsubo is just uh, like cracking his back or something. But <laughs> uh, Sae and Nanaka are walking to the door and they hear this conversation and they're they're like, oh my God, what is going on? Can we even go in there? And yeah, so it's clearly like they're all teenagers, like they're all perverts or whatever, but it's very funny. So yeah, I definitely want to uh, listen to those scenes in English because I can imagine they're very funny. Yeah. And like the thing is uh, with Abaratsubo's uh, sort of characterization, well, like they do play up you know, the fact that he's gay, but it's not really done in a way that wouldn't have been done if there was like a girl who was very upfront and had a crush on Takeo, you know? Yeah. It's like all true. of the same kind of characterization that you would expect for that kind of character. That is a very good point. Yeah. Hmm. And even even aside from that, he's usually sort of like a calm, cool, collected, mm -hmm. hottest guy in school type of character. Yes, that's a big thing that he is the hottest guy in school. And so all the girls are crazy about him. And he's like, okay, he's not interested at all. He's also in like five other clubs. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> he's very, very interesting, I think, because all the other characters kind of know that this is going on, but it's never a thing where anyone is like grossed out by it or anything. So that's really nice. Yeah. Considering it's something from the nineties. Yeah. Especially for um, Nanaka who has a crush also on Abratsubo. She acknowledges like, she's like, Oh yeah, I know you like Takeo, but I like you. So that's, I think that's very interesting as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of form an alliance of people who like people who would never like them back. <laughs> Yeah, basically. It's very, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. And we do kind of briefly also meet a former member of the club later in the series, Miki. We don't really get to know her very well. but Yeah, she's, she's a character who doesn't exist in the OVA, despite the fact yeah. that it seems like Sai has been writing to her constantly. Mm -hmm. It's like the one thing that you would be confused about if you did watch the OVA. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It opens up with that, but I think that's just because of the narrative way that Sai is explaining what's going on that mm -hmm. was present in the OVAs, but she was talking to an OVA-only character, Jeff, who does not appear in the second season. So, To be fair, though, Jeffy, uh, which they do call him Jeffy in the oh, dub, interesting. <laughs> uh, is also the name of her little bear, so, yeah, you know. I don't remember if she still has that in the series, actually. Uh, no, I th I do think it, like, kind of disappears at the end yeah. of the OVA. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's Jeff uh, Jeffukun in Japanese, but that makes sense that they would change it to Jeffy to make it sound less mundane. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you want to start talking about Judica? Yeah, let's talk about Judica. Yeah. So uh, for any listeners who have not watched this series, this is like gonna be in major spoiler territory, I guess. Um, so you probably should stop here, and I'll see you next time. But if you don't mind spoilers, or if you have watched the series, then you can keep going. So yes, uh, Judica Jinno is a very interesting character, I think, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, at first we just see Judica as this like mysterious character who we see even in like the opening segments, but also just kind of in the background in some scenes and just laughing to himself. And then, yeah, about midway through the season, he finally appears and has a name and all these things. But so what is it about Judica that you find particularly interesting? I mean, like, aside from the fact that in some ways I would say Jericho is like not explicitly like a non-binary or a gender fluid character. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of like what they are is very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I guess I should just come out and say it, that Jirika is like a manifestation of size magic and imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just really, really cool as a concept. And as a result, because like, you know, size kind of a, a little kid, Jirika is very trickstery in some ways. Mm-hmm. I was saying a lot of ways. There are like whole episodes where I'm not even sure what actually happened and what didn't happen. Oh, yeah. Because- the... <laughs> That one episode, yeah. Yeah. It's like so confusing and very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, again, a being of pure magic, definitely very androgynous because there are different scenes where, for example, there's the scene where he's introducing himself to Sai and appears just like Alice, like Alice in Wonderland, Alice. And that's mm-hmm. very interesting. And then, um, I think it's the first time that, oh my God, I almost forgot the whole toilet scene. <laughs> the one he first meets <laughs> Takeo is very, very strange. And I think that was, yeah, that was the first episode of the show I'd ever watched. And I watched that episode maybe 15 years ago with no context. And I was like, what is going on in this show? <laughs> but that was, I guess, also very interesting because he's playing out like a very, traditional Japanese folktale in that one but with toilet paper and and in that scene like Jirika's like completely naked and that's weird and well that is entirely because of Takeo's uh, imagination yeah kind of it's well it's like this thing that's definitely a scene where I'm not even I'm not sure how much is imagination how much is like an illusion from Jirika if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah but he's like asking him if he had silver or cold toilet paper. And it's like so wild. Um, but yeah, at that scene, yeah, Takeo doesn't know. He kind of thinks that Jirika is a girl at first. But then as he realizes that like Jirika is like identifying himself as a boy, he's like, oh, wait, do I actually not care about gender? I didn't know this about myself. He goes through that process. I thought that that was very interesting as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a the whole thing with uh, kissing Sai, which I found very interesting when you start to piece together what he is. What is that meant for, if that makes sense? But yeah, it's, he's a very interesting concept, to be sure. Are there any other characters that you wanted to talk about in Magic Users Club? I mean, 
if you wanted to talk about Mickey for a bit, I guess we could maybe talk about Mickey. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only other character. I mean, I guess there's uh, the primary antagonist of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Mizuha? <laughs> I feel like we should at least mention her. Yeah. Mizuha's very interesting antagonist because right next door to the magic club is the comic club. And she is the president of that club. And mm-hmm. for some reason, her school uniform is cut so that her breasts are extremely exposed. Yeah, they are, by all laws of physics, they should be out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but she it's basically like her weapon against, especially against Takeo, but just generally it seems to be like the same. But she is extremely commanding. I would say she is like, she's basically like Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold. Yeah. But like more sexy. Uh, And possibly more rich. Probably, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess the other thing to mention about the the comic club is that it technically occupies the same space as the magic club. Mm -hmm. It's just there's like a little dividing wall in between. Yes, yes. That apparently gets pushed back over time. Yes, yes. So like, yeah, Takeo is always checking and like has chalk marks on the floor to figure out where they're pushing it back because they're trying to take over the space and they don't see the point in their club and all of that. And uh, later the comic club even goes so far as to include animation, which is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's also an interesting character, I think just because she's a very peculiar type of uh, antagonist, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, she has to be the main antagonist. There's no other antagonist. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's like, well, the first season is about the aliens, mostly. And then this season is about Judica, kind of. Like you said, this series is about mostly daily life shenanigans of these, like, kind of mini wizards. And for them, that's just like, of course, the bully at school is going to be your main antagonist in a high school setting. Oh, I want to talk about their wizard outfits for a little bit, because I do love their wizard outfits a whole lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. Can you uh, describe them for us, paint a picture? Okay, so it's sort of like a skin-tight leotard. (laughs) (laughs) But over top of that, you have sort of like a little poncho Mm -hmm. that it comes down in a very stylish triangle. Yeah. uh, And has a symbol on the front, as well as your given color. Mm Mm-hmm. For example, size, like all of the accent colors on hers are red. Mm-hmm. And you get a nice little pointed hat that has a little ridge coming out of the side of it. Mm-hmm. It's very stylish. Yeah, I, they're very I really interesting. enjoy seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very interesting series. So as I kind of briefly mentioned before, Ikuko Ito is the character designer for this series. And I think she's known best for her work in Sailor Moon, but she has done a whole lot of other work both within and outside of Magical Girls. I think right now she's no longer doing character designs as much as she is like actually a director. She's also the creator of Princess Tutu. And uh, Princess Tutu was also worked on by Junichi Sato, who also developed this series. Well, she's the animation director of Pop and Q. I think that's the most recent Magical Girl thing she did. But yeah, lots of uh, different things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like the outfits don't really serve much of a purpose you know, they have to put them on physically. So mm-hmm. in a lot of scenarios, they just don't. But right. whenever they're doing like a big group ritual, I'm guessing mm-hmm. Takeo is just like, all right, we got to get into uniform. 
Right, right. It's almost like a kind of, yeah, like you said, it's a ritual thing. So when they're planning to do magic, then they, that's when they put on the clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Sai of the rest of the group is sort of the one that would wear hers the most otherwise because mm-hmm. you know, she likes being in the magic users club. Yeah, yeah. She's very happy to be in the club for the most part. And um, yeah, she even in the first episode, I think in both seasons, she goes outside wearing the uniform. Yeah, she's, she's running to the club uh, wearing the uniform. Yeah, like on a Saturday. And it's everyone's like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> generally the world is such that most people don't know that uh, magic exists. Yeah. Yeah. And they try not to let it slip the, the best they can. The best they can, but uh, I think when Sturika shows up, then it becomes a lot more difficult, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these things are very, very interesting uh, aspects yeah. to the series. Again. And there's like the wands that all have the little birds on the top. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out why <laughs> they look like that, but they're like very goofy birds. They're very yeah. funny. Yeah. But I think it's also an aspect of the series in general that's very goofy. Mm-hmm. Also, like, uh, with the outfits, they have those symbols on the front. And it's interesting that they, I don't really know what the, the symbols are. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, it's all sort of different. Mm-hmm. And you would think maybe it has something to do. Like, there is a, a concept of each person has a shape, a magical shape that allows them to derive more power from it. Mm-hmm. Takeo's is a, is a triangle. Sai learns that hers is a little spiral. Yeah. And her general, like, her outside of uh, school and outside of the Magic Users Club, her main, like, insignia is the Naruto fish cake. So that's, it makes sense. The spiral is also in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they all have different, very different uh, symbols on their clothes. The kind of motifs in terms of, like, what the magic that they're using looks like is very interesting because... It looks like they did try to do some kind of research. Now I don't really know for sure, but there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of six pointed stars throughout. Mm-hmm. Like all the motifs have a lot of six pointed stars. On occasion, five points, but not really that many. And then yeah, it looks like the old uh, grimoire that uh, is being used by uh, Takeo for me as someone who doesn't know anything. Uh, it looks like Hebrew to me, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's not like fully researched, uh, there's a lot of just world building for the magic that we don't get to see that definitely exists. Mm -hmm. I really actually just really enjoy the magic in the series Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it is really amusing for sure. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think this is definitely something that happens a lot when people continue to use like the witch type of um, part of a magical girl, like looking at the genre in general. This series in general is very, very fascinating in that like the the two seasons are very different and um, there are also different comics for different demographics. So there's like a comic of this show for boys and there's another one for girls. And then I believe there are two novels, but I haven't done enough research on those. That being said, who do you think would best enjoy this series? Hmm. I mean, I would say it's probably anyone who like enjoys sort of the goofy antics of a slice of life show um, and is okay with magic being a part of that. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Great. And 
I guess uh, just before we finish up here, do you think there's anything else that's more uh, of an issue with the series that people should know about? I mean, as long as you can get over Takeo's perviness, you're you're pretty much good. Mm-hmm. I can't even say like there's like any bad stereotypes that come to mind because even in like the uh, the episode where they can just walk through doors and the doors take them wherever, mm-hmm. the most of the thing that happens is Sai ends up in a pizza restaurant. <laughs> Oh my god, that that was so interesting because it is <laughs> I I lost my mind when that happened. But and I do want to hear what that sounds like in English. I think there was a, that part was in the gag reel, but I didn't hear like the original. But in Japanese, that took me out so much because it suddenly it's like yeah, she's she wants pizzas, so she goes she walks through a door and now she's in pizza shop and Possibly in Italy. It's hard to tell. It sounds like they're in Italy because suddenly there are six men with like the burliest mustaches all singing Buona Sera at her. And like, No, that's that's in the dub too. Okay. And it was like, what's happening? <laughs> and it's like, they're just like synchronized flipping pizza dough. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely, that that's like technically probably a little offensive, but like, the most lighthearted as someone with deep italian or maybe not like super deep italian heritage at this point but like (laughs) italian heritage being one of the major parts of my heritage uh it's fine i'll give (laughs) it a pass if you're okay with mario then you'll be okay with this one maybe yeah (laughs) if you're okay with the concept of basically any given pizza mascot you're Mm -hmm. fine yeah it's but it's very funny um that is definitely like, huh, what? But um, yeah, again, the the other kinds of like things that could have been stereotypes aren't so much. And again, with Takeo, it's like, yeah, he's a pervert and his imagination runs wild. And, and it happens a lot and a little bit longer than it should. It happens a lot. And it's like, come on, dude. But it's never actualized. Like there are some things where like, I think there's a, maybe a few times where I'm trying to remember. Oh, there are some things where like older characters where it's a little more awkward. Like if it's, you know, he's a high school boy and this is with high school girls. It makes sense. I think I didn't remember anything happening with this this series, but I remember the OVAs a little bit more because they're like these older journalist characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them interacts a lot more with the girls. And it's like very awkward when he gets embarrassed and it's like, dude, they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as this season goes, I don't remember there being anything that was, like, really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As someone who watched this without the context of the OVAs the first time I watched it, I would say you could just watch this without watching the OVAs, and if you don't feel like watching the OVAs, you don't have to. Yeah, they're very different. <laughs> I wouldn't, like, say, like, super very different, but, mm-hmm. like, there is an overarching villain of that, in a sense, versus what's happening here literally overarching (laughs) yeah it's very peculiar it does kind of feel like the second season is maybe what the show should have been originally where Mm -hmm. like there were just so many ideas the first time around and then it's like what if no aliens oh this is much easier okay (laughs) but yeah it's definitely overall i think very fun uh do you think there's anything else that listeners should know about this series or about why you love it oh the one thing we didn't mention that i absolutely love about the series is the opening song oh my god it is very good yes i love do more (laughs) yeah it's very catchy someone on crunchyroll uh 
like left a comment on one of the episodes saying like, wow, this intro sucks. And I was like, I had half a mind to log in and reply, but I, I didn't because I probably couldn't remember any of my Crunchyroll logins, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, well, that's very strong to want to log in. That's a very strong um, passion for the opening. I think it's a bop. It's a very, um, not even just like for a Magical Girl series, but like even for a 90s show, like there are a lot of like kind of more funkier songs at this time. But even with that in mind, this one is so good. And it's one that like the characters are singing during the opening. And it's mm-hmm. very inviting for you to do the same. And it's, you know. There's a little breakdown in the middle that just yeah. immediately followed up with the chorus. So you know that you can belt along. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about the ending song? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's not as exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely. I think it caught me right away when I started watching it. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna like enjoy listening to this every time." <laughs> yeah. By the way, where can people watch this series in the U.S.? Uh, in the U.S., you can watch it on Crunchyroll or Verve. But you're honestly, uh, between you and me, you're probably better off just not paying for Verve at this point. Oh, interesting. I don't even know what Verve is. <laughs> so Verve, it was a Crunchyroll thing. Uh, it's oh, like okay. this grander streaming service that included Crunchyroll and like some other things. Mm-hmm. And when I paid for a subscription service, I paid for that one because it also included uh, Boomerang, which oh. means it included all of the Scooby-Doo movies, right. which I needed for one of the other podcasts that I do. So yes. between that and having Pretty Cure available, I was like, well, this is just kind of a good deal for me. And then mm-hmm. they've just been dropping everything left and right as far as additional services. So now you're playing for like, at least last time I checked it was you pay for Crunchyroll, High Dive, and then like maybe two other things for the, it's three only like $3 more than Crunchyroll, but you're better mm-hmm. off just paying for Crunchyroll. Interesting. Okay. I see. Well. And you don't even have to, to watch the show because you can just watch it with commercials. Mm-hmm. Wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's interesting because it's it's an old series, right? It's from the 90s. And here in Japan, it is so hard to find that I had to rent every episode individually. And yeah, I mean, that's fine, except that I only had them for like, I think it's 72 hours. Like, I don't even it's very unfortunate that like that's the, the way that it is now. It's interesting because it definitely felt like it was big at the moment but of course but especially compared to the other works by Junichi Sato it's definitely not his biggest work to say the least but it's still like really good I think it's it's definitely something it's very very charming and very worth examining because it's such a unique series so mm-hmm. and if you watch the dub you can just put it on in the background while you do something else <laughs> that's true yeah I, I think that it's worth checking out for sure so I guess that leads us to our last question. So Cassidy, have you ever imagined a magical persona for yourself? I think I know the answer, but... I mean, yes, occasionally. Nothing like super serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I've technically have drawn myself as a pretty cure in a way for mm-hmm. Prepod. Yes. But even that is more of an exaggeration mm-hmm. and putting me like, yes, this is me as like middle school ideal version of myself then (laughs) etc etc so then if you were to try maybe not even within precure but 
if you were to try to make a magical persona for yourself, you could be like yourself now or, again, idealized from when you were in middle school. I mean, honestly, I, I would probably do something along the lines of this show with like the cool tunic stuff and the big mm-hmm. hat. It's all <laughs> very appealing. Yeah, big hats are great. <laughs> and like even just like the little bit the splashes of color accents, just very, very top tier. Very mm-hmm. good. I see. So do you want to be like more of a general magic user then and like not have any limitations to the kind of things you can do or anything like that? I mean, yeah, I like the I like just all of the ways that magic is done in this because there's the combination of like just like four different ways you can cast magic in this particular show. Mm-hmm. There's just like regular, you know, casting a spell using it a, a chant or, you know, doing the ritual circle group ritual stuff or mm-hmm. this happened more in the first than in this series that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. But they're like these uh, cards that you, they could slap on their wands to increase their power or something Mm -hmm. yeah they don't really use it so much they do use it in the the first episode with the tree they put like a whole bunch of cards around the tree and then they do their enchantment but yeah that sounds really great and again Cassidy I really do think that if you look back at the older magical girls you're gonna love them a lot (laughs) yeah I am sure that I would I just you know yeah Cassidy, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast today. Yeah, of course. It was a great time. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. So um, where can people find you or follow you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. I always spell it out because it is a very weird word to try to figure out how it's spelled when I just say it. (laughs) <laughs> so we talked about pre-pod engaged already but what are your other podcasts i mean yeah i could be here all day i'm just gonna i'm gonna plug the main three and then give my website because i have a website where you can find everything okay great but yeah so there's pre here podcast engage a podcast where we watch and talk about the entire pretty here franchise and also ben 10 and also you know like sometimes kathy or <laughs> i forgot no, just other that. stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's also uh, Kids and Their Dog, which is a Scooby-Doo movie review uh, and recap podcast that I do. It's the first podcast that I did. It is going to be three years old soon. And by soon, I mean literally next month. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. It's also probably going to be the first one to end because I think we've got maybe a year's worth of content left before we're caught up and done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got plans. Also, for sure, all of my April Fool's Day episodes on all, all of my podcasts will be out. Oh my god. <laughs> I love April Fool's Day for podcasts. And this year's Kids and Their Dog one is the most ambitious one yet. Mm-hmm. And this is me saying that after trying to do an ARG last year. Wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you really like to do goofy stuff. It's so one of the things I find very endearing about you, Cassidy. Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, let me just do one more podcast yes. real quick, and then I'll plug my website. Uh, okay. I also do RNGG. It's a, sort of like a, a randomly generated prompt that me and my friend Crash just try to pitch game ideas to fit. Mm-hmm. Basically, like we'll generate, you know, some random uh, stuff. Like, uh, for example, a classic one that we did was Fishing Horror. So oh. We had to come up with a, a horror game about fishing, and then we, we pitched a whole thing about it. Those episodes are always like an hour or less because I put a timer on and we sort of have to run until the timer goes. 
<laughs> or sometimes earlier. Mm-hmm. But you can find that at RNGGCast on Twitter, Prepod Engage at Prepod Engage, and Kids and Their Dog is at Kids and Their Dog. And then you can find all of the other stuff that I've guessed it on or just didn't mention on my website, which is madlobotanist.neocities.org, which is the same as my Twitter handle, .neocities.org. Great. Thank you so much. (laughs) We'll finish here. So uh, enjoy the rest of your day. (laughs) Yeah. I got my coffee here that I haven't really been sipping because I didn't want to make noises. Oh, no. Well, you can start sipping that now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. With Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Magical.